0: What You are
1: listening to What Are you ready to truck this town for your Nooner with Dooner? Welcome to Wednesday. Welcome, Thomas Watson. Boom. Pleasure to be on. Always happy. Hey, introduce yourself. People may not have seen you oh, before. Yeah. Don't be so presumptuous.
0: <laughs> I get around. I get around. I'm uh, I'm Thomas Watson. I'm your resident trucking expert here at Freight Waves. And uh, do a little bit of stuff loaded and rolling. A, a newsletter as well. We're catching up one of these days. Give us a few extra years and some effort. But uh, always fun to be on and especially talk about the market and yeah. some predictions. But before
1: we get there, guess what just opened up? What do we got? Shipper of Choice Nominations. Take a look at this. Now, before I even tell you what this is all about... Do you have a shipper of choice nomination? Who are you putting on there? Oh, man.
0: You know, I'm going to have a shipper of choice, Anheuser-Busch, because people consistently show up in Colorado, and in spite of the fact that they may have a good time or not a good time, if it's preloaded or not, they just keep coming. So stay strong, ABM, Bev, keeping it cool in the Rockies. So. All right. Well, I
1: usually give this award away at our events, maybe doing it again this year. But now i got to tell you about how you vote. So Joe Shack, you put a great article on FreightWaves.com. You can check it out if you don't remember what I say. But it said FreightWaves is proud to continue its tradition of honoring 25 distinguished shippers with its annual Shipper of Choice Awards presented in partnership with our good friends at Triumph Pay. This accolade celebrates companies that actively work towards simplifying and improving the freight transportation process for all stakeholders. To be considered for recognition, though, thomas companies must first be nominated right tree yeah. fall in the forest shipper of choice award you don't vote nobody hears it
0: and you can nominate as many of them as you want it's not as if one vote one nomination so yes. if you work at the company as well and you want your company to be up there get the word out get the votes out anyone can put it in and then we'll go on the back end and tally
1: it up you can self-nominate you can self-nominate nominate your friends show some love out there you can put in more than one nomination no nominate yourself nominate your enemy Nominate someone you want to lift up. Let's rise each other up in this in this tough market. The one thing you can't do, though, right? You have to, shippers have to or operate their own trucking fleet. Like They can operate their own trucking fleet. They don't have to, but they can. Like Walmart, for example, and still qualify for nominations. But companies that provide logistics, like J.B. Hunt, for example, not shipper of choice. These are the people who send the freight out, the BCOs.
0: Yeah, if you're hauling it and it's all you do, it's probably not going to make the list. Now, you yeah. can try, but we probably won't be able to put you on the list.
1: Now, I want to give you a sense of urgency here but you do have two months. You have until April 5th, providing you ample opportunities. So start thinking about this, though. Click on the article, go to FreightWaves.com or just Google Freightwave shipper of choice, go there, and you can throw your nominations in. Sounds very, very cool. Now, I can't nominate Flexport, but I wish I could because they sent me this awesome jet right here. Thank you so much, Bill Trigger. Thank you so much, Ryan Peterson. Thank you so much, Flexport. Take a look at this bad boy. This is a nice one. And look, the doors aren't
0: gonna fly off
1: because no. it is a cargo freighter. So There's it. no bolts though. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> any, I don't see any bolts. You hear about that? <laughs> Boeing needs to come on the show. Hey, shout out. I was walking <laughs> through the hallway with this earlier and like my house. It's just impossible to to be a man and, and move a plane around and not make plane noises.
0: I would have done <sighs> the same thing, just go
1: around. Yeah. It's awesome. By the way, the tail number on here is accurate. It's for the actual plane, which is a Boeing 747-46F fixed wing, multi-engine. It's got 366 seats, weight class, three. I don't know what the cargo if it has less seats, and it's uh, an Atlas Air. Pretty nice. Oh, that's not bad at all. Those things are so cool. I always love that air transport component, except for the
0: trucking side, because when that plane arrives, you better be there, and if you're not... Bad times.
1: Yeah. And our good friends at Ruin will be on a little later in the broadcast. And they also sent an awesome truck, which you can see right here on the desk. Thank you so much. By the way, they on the box, like they sent me like a regular, like a regular trailer. But they also had one with a reefer trailer. So oh, if they yeah. send me another one, here's my request. Reefer trucks. I have I have a huge collection of these things, but I don't have any reefer trails yet.
0: I, I'm liking that. You know, you don't ever reefer is the unsung hero and you don't ever see in the model stuff. It's always the drive and die yes. That's legit. Takes extra work,
1: too. And what do I got for you here? Okay, take a look at, so Tesla Semi, what's your thoughts, by the way?
0: Oh, man, uh, it's heavy. How much can it haul? They're much yeah. heavier on the actual uh, Semi portion of it, but also proof of concept, sure, but range and applications, still waiting to see, because if I can only put like 42000 in it, yeah. I might as well look at other options. You know, I go
1: back and forth on this. I go back and forth on the, the BEV trucks and then the fuel cell EVs. Now, now, there's big on the fuel cell EVs, but my issue with them is that a fuel cell EV costs $750,000. And the fuel for that, like in California, IMC they put they they put a picture out of the pump. I had it on the show the other day. It was sixteen dollars and forty five cents per kilogram. IMC said through their testing they get ten miles per gallon per kilogram. It's a dollar sixty five a mile.
0: I think that's one of the big things to think about because ten miles per gallon is near the upper thresholds of our internal combustion engines, yeah. engines as well. So it's yeah. kind of a one for one, but. They're just putting wafers and wafers. So I really want to see, one, what happens when they combust? How do we deal with that? That's a fun one. And secondly, can we get more efficient with those batteries? Because right now, if I'm an executive at a trucking company and I'm buying an electric vehicle, I need to see that total cost. I need to see that profitability aspect of it, or I'm just going to keep with what I'm using.
1: Take a look at this video right now. It's a Tesla Semi on Donner Pass. Uh, CHP truck, he said, things got a little icy. We are now holding eastbound I-80 traffic at Donner Summit due to multiple big rig spinouts at 60 mile. We're working on clearing the roadway as fast as we can. There is no estimated time of reopening the roadway, but the Semi seems to be doing okay. He's going really slow, but I think this is because they're shutting the road down.
0: Well, weight is, uh, that's the greatest part. Weight is a factor. It doesn't matter if you have 18 wheels or four. If you lose traction, it's not going to help you. I learned that with a four-wheel drive Jeep. I slid through two intersections the last time it snowed. Uh, you know, I think the weight's going to help Tesla on this one because see how front-heavy it is with those battery packs? That yes. may be helping slow that, that nose down. If
1: you notice, too, that's not a Frito-Lay or a Pepsi trailer. It's a Schneider trailer that it's pulling.
0: I'm interested in that. That means there's probably a little bit of, you know, who's the carrier for that. I don't see any markings and stuff, but... Uh, you know, we're seeing more of them in the wild. It's uh, it's fun. It's a fun little design.
1: Mac Lovin says, butthole pucker just eating that seat cushion. <laughs> Maudlin by Mel said, I learned how to make proper peanut butter and jelly sandwich from that girl on Ice Road Truckers. <laughs> What's the proper way to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich?
0: Oh, man. Wait. Got to do. It's all about the type of jelly. Yeah. If you're going to jam or a preserve. No, no. But, like, how are you setting it up on the bread? How are you setting it up? Peanut butter
1: on one side. Jelly on the other. Okay. Combine. Yeah, that's where you failed. So it's peanut butter, peanut butter, jelly, middle smash. Ah. That's what you got to that's what you got to do. Hey, we got to tip the band. We're going to get in some sonar charts or just groundhog day to the spot market see its shadow. We're going to find out, but first we got to say I want to take a second to put these guys in your radar. Dynamic Logistics. Because I got to say, they're doing logistics the right way. Their TMS software is saving shippers a significant amount of time and money. Check them out at dynamiclogistics.com. That's logistics with an x. Thomas Watson,
0: not, not a CS. They're also a sponsor on, I think, the Freight Waves Daily, so big shout-out to them as well. Get hey. the
1: word out. Good people over there. Thanks for supporting the home team over here, guys. All right, it's episode 679 of What the Truck. I'm joined by you, Freight Waves Thomas Watson. We're going to break down that sonar. We're going to answer that question. The spot market, see it shadow. We're going to get into freight brokerage burn-off, too, so we'll look at trucking authorities. We'll also look at the bloodbath and brokerages, and uh, we'll find out if felons make good freight brokers. we got CNBC's Lori Ann LaRocco. She's, just a, she's a multi-time author. She's done books like Containers Don't Lie, but now she's taken on slavery and the journey of, of African-Americans through the years and embrace your, your past to empower your future. I'm going to find out why the pivot, what she learned. I believe her daughter helped her on this, and we're going to find out all about it. We got some great pictures. And uh, Lori, hey, little Kaba, congratulations on getting that book out there. Maybe we'll even learn the logistics of publishing.
0: That's true. There's a whole lot to it, and I think people think they're afraid to write their own book. But there's a lot of ghostwriters, a lot of small publishing houses. Mm. You can get your word out. Don't feel like if Penguin doesn't return your calls. Yeah. There's other avenues.
1: Do a TEDx like like me, and then you'll have every person on LinkedIn like like DM you and be like, "Oh, write a book on your TEDx." And I'm like, "No." Nah, <laughs> Hello, friend. Good tidings. I'm good. <laughs> hey, according to New Truckstop Report, freight fraud shut up by 130% in 2023. We'll meet Quickscope co-founder Michael Fulham, whose company aims to stop this problem that costs brokers, carriers, and shippers 800 million a year and it's all about safety and room logistics uh blake Grolmus drops by to talk. sorry blake I, I i want to say gromulus because i don't know i've been playing too many videos it's Bray Grolmus. he drops by to talk about how their safety culture is providing a winning formula for drivers we've got a bunch of other stuff but you're here right now so let's get to thomas the question of the day wait christian did you take a poll on this the question of the day is did the spot market see its shadow what does the poll say I can't see that. Far. I oh, look. he's got it right here. here that go. says 67% said no. 32% said, uh, 33% said yes. Well, let's take a look at a chart and let's see what the chart says. The first here, we're going to look at spot rates. <laughs> These are uh, the Freightways National Truckload Index, line hole only. We are looking at, what does that say, 126? 235 right now, looking at line hole, the 7-day average. No, no, we're looking at line hole only first. We oh, line
0: hole, right. yeah, yeah. We were, down, we we're up in the $1.80 range. We're going back down. Uh,
1: 176, yeah
0: it's it's fascinating to watch. I put this on LinkedIn. I got skewered because obviously I put my faith in a rodent. And, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes we don't need to put our faith in market predictions with a burrowing rodent. But I tried, you know, spice it up. We are seeing a situation where rates are slowly improving, but you can tell here ups and downs. And mm. so right now the big question is, especially looking into the rest of the month, is this a pump fake or is this consistent? So far over the past three months, we are seeing consistency In spite of the fact, and a lot of commentators have said weather has been a factor. We've seen the wet Chattanooga froze for a week. I was there, you know, first world problem. So that does appear to be this most recent hump was weather related, but... The big question, and also for my personal self, uh, whether or not I can trust rodents again, is will we go back up moving forward?
1: Will we go back? Well, I was talking to our CEO and founder. I used his report on our previous show, and I heard the same thing. A lot of people were saying, hey, look, there was a lot of weather. There were storms. January is very start-stop. That is why you're seeing that elevation rates. But we saw some good stuff in in other ways. Let's build the case here. Let's look at the National Truckload Index 7-Day Average right here. What are we looking at, Thomas? So looking at the NTI, we take a combination of the NTID, which is your daily
0: movements up and down, and then we're going to combine it into an overall average. So it's a great way to judge the temperature and the vibe shift. Uh, the two little lines at the top I added were flatbed and reefer, just because I want to continue to illustrate that dry van is in a much worse spot. Flatbed and reefer remain, reefer remain healthy, but it's also more expensive. Try to get a truck driver to use chains, tarps, and binders. Good luck
1: with that. So yeah. these are inclusive of fuel too, right? All in. So what are we looking at? Red line is how much? So red line, 282. That's and that's what?
0: Flatbed, open deck.
1: Nice. And is reefer blue
0: yeah reefer madness and blue i was a little cheeky with that two dollars 76 cents
1: not bad and then your regular drive-in is is what
0: it's going to be on the widest the mountain here we see that's colored 235 but just like we saw with the line haul rates we see a consistent Slow moving trend, but it does have a little bit of, you know, should I stay or should I go in terms of can we consistently predict this is upwards movement? Historically, when we look at this, it moves down all the way through the end of February. It starts picking back up in March. This is out of the ordinary weather capacity. A lot of questions. It's like a detective novel. It's like, who done it?
1: Well, we got a forecast here that Groundhog may forecast, but so does Sonar. What does Sonar think this market's going to look like in uh, 28 days? You can tell
0: with this one, the NTIF 28 day outlook is fun because it takes in a combination of seasonality fuel prices, the whole shebang. It's AI driven. Uh, We're going to go down to 230. It's going to get a little worse. NTI is predicting, well, we're going to go in another trough, but 2.35 235 all in by the first week of March. I think that one was March 5th. So we are seeing a thawing. It could support that my groundhog was directionally accurate, but unfortunately, rodents can't read. So you know, at the point of time when uh, Puck's the tiny Phil made his call, <laughs> the spot rates decline for the next week. So uh, <laughs> the jury is still out.
1: I can I can already <laughs> see the dispatchers who live very in the moment flipping us off, saying this isn't this isn't happening. Our phones are dead. Nothing's happening. Can't get any trucks out of Chicago. Let's Build the case even further. What are we seeing? A lot, you know, the market is based on capacity. We have talked so many times about there being too much capacity. You can see a gigantic buildup, but it's been bleeding ever since, uh, what is that, 2020? 2020, that's 2023 mostly, but 2022 is when the bleeding started. And we're heading into here. What does this tell us? So, this tells us that the
0: conditions in the market, we have to look at the carriers as well. When we want to see a supply and demand and that impact spot race, we have to look at the truckload supply. And the, the fascinating thing is, you can see highlighted in green, we don't really know yet what this Goldilocks uh, number is. What is the just right? Because we have higher volumes compared to you know previous years. We're looking a little better, but there's still too much supply. And so that's the question that myself, other pundits and talking heads are going to continue to look at. And my advice to you is this. We can look at it from the side. We know things are still getting worse, carriers are still exiting the market, but the slow uptick in rates, one positive side. Outbound tender rejections a little over 5%, another positive side. I would say two weeks from now, if we come back here and we know it's still going up, we can consistently say it, but we still have, even though the data is daily and frequent, we do need to have that kind of historical trend, just like we're looking right now. It's almost like stocks as well. Is this trough going to go up and down? And that's that's
1: the big question. But all signs point to eventually it will get better. <laughs> Did you say stocks? Let me hit the cowbell. Disruptor stocks put this out because the market likes the recovery. Old Dominion, less than truckload, up 13%. And these are since November 1st, so they're up 13%. Knight Swift, truckload, plus 19%. JB Swift, intermodal, plus 22%. XBO plus 45% since November 1st. Now, Bitcoin went up 45% too. That was all over the news. What about JB Hunt? You'd be just as rich for your hold that. Remember, canaries in the coal mine, equities and
0: transportation are yeah. the early indicators. So we're going to see. Bitcoin and, and have we ever overlaid Bitcoin with like freight flows? We need to because yeah. I think that we'll also see and stuff for other coins as well. You're looking for growth. And so I think that this is the first, and it will take another quarter, by the way, for this to become painfully obvious, but equities folks will see that and they'll say, hey, Canary is looking better. It's not croaking anymore. Let's start loading up and adjusting.
1: Now, so we looked at the trucking authorities that have left the market, but now let's talk about the brokerage burn-off. Here is a great chart from Kevin Hill at Brush Pass Research. And it basically says here, 2024 starts with an 8.4% year-over-year decline in average broker authorities. But there's still a ton more than we had three years ago, as you can see on that chart. Compared to January 2021, there are still 17.3% more freight, freight brokerages than we were up and running against three years ago. And we're seeing that with all these brokerages got a business. I know originally in 2022, too is like the trucking bloodbath but the one thing that we really kind of like maybe whiffed a little bit on was the brokerage bloodbath too broker bloodbath
0: takes about six months later yeah because you make these year-long contracts and always assume that your price stays the same right now When carriers slowly are charging more, and you can't just ask more, you go underwater. We're seeing this. That's why you see this big drop in brokerages. You saw Convoy, you saw the other things, the liquidity crunch. And it takes another quarter before you're okay and say, well, I got to hand this back. I need to re-rate this. And so we're seeing with brokerages just like carriers, but a delayed instance where their market situation is falling. Now- Will it get better for brokers? Yes, but at the same time, when it's painfully obvious that things have gotten better, then it'll get better. Brokerages make money in the margins when things are low and steady, yeah. not good. But when it starts getting a little volatile, they'll start picking back up because they profit off of chaos.
1: Well, maybe you are a felon. Maybe you profit off of chaos and want to get <laughs> into this brokerage market. We're going to play a clip right here and then I'm going to ask you to tell me what you think. Roll this one. I'm going to show you how much you could make as a freight broker, even if you just got out of prison. We get 40% of all the commission we put up. If you make it to 10K, you get 50%. I'm going to show you the board that we use in our office to write down our commissions daily. This right here is the board. i showed it before. You see me, 2440 plus 1400. Uh, we're looking at 3840 right now. So I get 40% of that.
2: I don't really know what that is right now, but tomorrow I'm going to get more than that. <laughs> yes. That sucks You feel that way. <laughs> Cause I'm putting on for every prisoner out here, and you could get it too with hard work and determination. If you want to know how I did it, drop a comment.
1: You think you're gonna be making 40% margins being a broker right now? Man,
0: you you get 40, you'll get five bucks off that 40% because you're making fifty dollars <laughs> a rip. Probably, I love it. I think felons, spicy take. Yeah, felons may make the best brokers because if you can sell in the underground prison economic system That's while true. you're incarcerated, you can sell anything. Like, yeah. you know, it's like it's selling shanks, selling selling truckloads, you know?
1: I know a couple felons <laughs> who have logistics companies now. Great guys. They, they don't really make TikToks like that guy that was promising 40%, though. It's a bad look.
0: Yeah. No, that's just to bring people in. You get the whole 40% of the cut. This is all marketing and stuff. Yeah. The actual ones are the grinders. They don't talk as much. Uh, and, the, you know, they're just busting their butt. And I think... Especially in logistics and supply chain. These are great avenues if folks can prove it. Now, you're not, not all phones are gonna be great salespeople, just yeah. like not all salespeople are gonna be good salespeople, yeah. but it's fascinating to watch and it's something that we don't really talk about.
1: Navigating the procurement of a prison commissary and the Pruno wine toilet. Wine markets. Uh one last thing before I kick you off here. The National Retail Federation says the average person will spend eighty-six dollars watching the Super Bowl on food, drinks, and decorations. Now I want to contrast this with something. The White House claimed a Thanksgiving meal for 10 cost $61 total in 2023. What costs more in your house? The Thanksgiving dinner or the Super Bowl?
0: Well, my joke take will be the Super Bowl is more because I'm my friends over, i buy yeah. more oh. uh, buy more libations and food and snacks to impress them. But then Thanksgiving, maybe your family and your in laws you don't always like to That's see, true. maybe you skimp a little bit on the turkey or something like that. Or but, like
1: the kumchada into the absolute yeah. bottle and and be like, here I got you the good stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. You Absolutely. can fake it. My real take though is probably we are seeing elevated prices. Yeah. But at the same time, like everyone buys different things for the Super Bowl, so I could see how that price goes up. But uh, just you know, big data like that. Yeah. Eh. Go with your gut. All right. Well, who
1: do you got for the Super Bowl?
0: Ooh, ooh, wait. We got the Chiefs and the 49ers, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, Here's the best way to predict. (laughs) Would a Chief fight a 49er? Who would win? The 49er has a pickaxe, but the Chief also has a spear. We have. That's an even one. That's a toss-up, in my opinion. Something with meme magic. It's got to be the Chiefs, so you can have the Taylor Swift and all the... You know, it just feels like the energy is going that way,
1: but I think the 49ers... Do you believe the conspiracy? It's, like, preordained and the Illuminati's running the whole thing and that Travis Kelsey thing is all set up.
0: If they were able to do that, that'd, that'd be a level of sophistication and efficiency that we have yeah. not seen so far. So I'd be impressed if you wasted all your Illuminati points on rigging the Super Bowl when you could have done other stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It's the long game. Oh, some of the guy in the back. One of the guys in the back. I'm not going to say that. We'll get sued by the NBA. I'm not going to. The NBA is fine. Uh, who is that ref they had? Dogney. Yeah. They're nothing to, f- see nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. All right. Take it easy, Thomas. Take care. Where can
0: people find you? Check it out. Freightways.com. Loaded and rolling. Also doing XM for Grace these next two weeks. Nice. Freightways Drive Time, Channel One. And Thomas Watson 7 on the Twitter.
1: All right. Take a hike, buddy. All right. Meanwhile. Uh, The Office of Glyn and says probably didn't start due to the cold weather. Hellbent says he's sick of the plastic rig. Uh, will White says 100 bucks says he's seen a parent do that. Yeah, I can imagine. You got to be careful around kids. I've got a seven and nine year old. They're very impressionable. You have to be very smart. They will pick up on your behavior immediately. Uh, La Kid Red says wife asked him to pick up pads on the way home again. And Edmo says got a ticket. Blew a 0.8 on the apple juice breathalyzer. Dow's impounding his vehicle. Got to pay 50 cents to get it out. Has no idea what money is hard times. Great video. All right, let's talk a little safety culture. Blake Gromus, VP of Safety at Ruin Logistics. Blake, another beard king, man. I like it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Beard brothers got to stick together, my man. I like where I, uh, by the way, thank you so much for the truck over. Put me wide so I can just point to this truck. There we go. Thank you so much for this truck over here. I appreciate it very Absolutely. much. For, for those who don't know, where is Ruin based out of and uh, what's the elevator pitch on what y'all do?
3: Yeah, so we are based in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, 91, almost 92 years now, family-owned company based here in Des Moines, uh, started by our first driver, John Ruan, uh, back in 1932, and uh, we are a kind of full-service logistics provider, uh, primarily in the dedicated asset-based transportation space, but we also have a a full-service managed transportation business, brokerage, and value-added warehousing
1: that we support. We'll love to hear it. And you are tasked with safety. It's a big issue with, with drivers, with fleets, with insurance who I have on here all the time. So I got to ask you, tell us a little bit about how you've established your safety culture and how you keep that a focus.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it, you know, it, as I just mentioned, it really goes all the way back to our founding in 1932. Our first driver, our founder, John Ruan, uh, he recognized very early on that there was a need for Formalized safety programs in the transportation world, and, and started that all the way back in the 1940s, uh, and we we continue to live that and evolve that throughout our company today. Uh, our our five guiding principles: the first two on that list are people first and safety focus, and those two, you know, the, they really go hand in hand. All of our safety programs are designed with our people in mind, um, so that every one of our drivers, every one of our warehouse associates, every technician in our shops they all get back home to their loved ones at the end of the day in the same condition that they left the house. Uh, You know, maybe just a little more dirt on their boots and a little more money in their pocket. But uh, that's that's really our goal. And so as we think about how we facilitate that, it it really starts all the way up front at the hiring process. We want to make sure we've got the right people for our culture, uh, people that are highly engaged and enjoy the work they do. And then we, you know, supplement that with all of our different programs. Our mega MegaSafe uh, training platform and program starts with our Ruan Safety Pledge that every new uh, team member in the company signs on and says, this is the commitment that I'm going to make to doing my job the right way, doing it the safe way. And, uh, you know, then we, we layer in our mega safe 7 rules of safe driving, mega safe 5 rules of working safely, uh, all of our ongoing training company provided PPE, work boots, you know, safety vests, all the different uniform items that you're going to need to do your job effectively.
1: Nice. And that's the analog stuff. That's the that's the stuff you can touch and feel. What are you guys using for technology to keep drivers and commuters safe on the road?
3: Yeah, it, it is. Uh, technology is a, a huge piece of the safety world. I think, you know, it, even just you you go to an ATA event and you, you look around the exhibit hall, Ten years ago, right, it was it was all trucks and, and hardware and, and, you know, brakes and different things like that. You walk in now and it is 90% technology driven. Um, and so when we think about our fleet, we really do a lot right up front with our standard spec on our trucks. Uh, you know, automatic emergency braking, collision mitigation, lane departure, blind spot monitoring, all the bells and whistles that, that are going to help our drivers maintain a, a safe working environment. Um, and then beyond that, we've, we've also introduced about four years ago, a video safety program with both inward and external uh, event recorders. And that really what that has allowed us to do is, is see the game film, right? It's, it gives us the opportunity to see the challenges that our drivers are up against on the roadways each and every day to, to hear the stories that, you know, you go, there's no way that really happened, did it? And then you see a video of it and you go, holy cow, how did you manage to get through that? That's amazing. Um, so it's it's really you know that that game film that coaching and and just really helping our drivers and our teams continually refine their skills, see their tendencies. You know, a lot like we're getting ready for the Super Bowl this weekend. The same way that you know Kyle Shanahan and, and Andy Reid are helping their teams prep for the game on Sunday. That's our goal with our video program: is to help our drivers see the things that that they see and and you know maybe didn't remember in real time, but. Uh, it, again, it gives us that ability to see what they're up against. And and really, the, the huge benefit is, is when there has been a crash, when there has been something that's gone wrong, to tell our driver's side of the story and exonerate them. You know, it, we also use it to identify trends that we can build training programs around, how we address those things, um, and, and, you know, gives us the ability even for our drivers when they have an issue that they're up against. So, uh, you know, a couple years ago before I moved into the safety role, uh, I oversaw all of our bulk hazmat group and we would have uh, oftentimes, right? We're making a delivery into a scrap metal yard and to get to the tank to deliver cryogenics, there's all kinds of stuff in the way. So our, our driver can reach up and push that button right there on the device and talk to it and tell us in real time, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. I can't get to the tank. Here's why. Can you help me with this? And that's real hard evidence. We can take then to our customer and our customer's customer to help get those situations resolved Um, and then the last piece of it really is, is taking all that data that we're getting from these different systems, recognizing our high performing drivers, who are the folks that are just knocking it out of the park out there, you know, even identifying things like troublesome routes, where do we keep having issues with traffic or road construction, wherever that might be, understand those challenges and help us plan better around that technology is a huge piece of what we do.
1: Like you know, I have drivers bark at me all the time. Some love tech, some don't like tech. How do you give the drivers a tool to succeed and also get them to accept it? Not every driver wants, wants the tech inside the cab. They want to be like the, you know, free bird on the road and all that stuff. So it's just an important culture, right, to get people who want to accept this stuff. How do you accomplish that?
3: It is, you know, it it really at the end of the day boils down to Leveraging the technology in a way that supplements what the driver's already doing, right? We're, we're hiring highly experienced drivers, especially in, in our culture at Ruan. We're hiring folks that have experience, they've been on the roads. That's again, we're looking for those folks that fit the culture, enjoy what they do. And then it's really about focusing on that engagement. Um, you know, doing the yard walks, tailgate talks, the safety training, the quarterly meetings. You know, giving drivers the forum to share their ideas, share their concerns, and and really use technology in a way that that helps facilitate them doing a great job. Not, you know, isn't it's not babysitting them. It's it's not watching them. It's watching over them and, and giving them kind of that extra level of protection. Um, you know, the other big thing we do is just we're we're always assessing our training programs and adapting to the changing environment that is America's roadways, right? As we talk about some of the different things, whether it's truck parking or just general infrastructure challenges, um, you know, the the ever-increasing distraction on the roadways from the four-wheelers, that technology and those systems give us the ability to see that and and help influence how we help our drivers get through that. Um, And and again, ultimately, it it boils down to that people first and and safety-focused guiding principles working hand-in-hand listening to those challenges and and helping come up with creative solutions to help our drivers do their best work every day.
1: Now, Blake, to make this resonate for the listeners, the potential customers of yours, it's great how all these things help you. It's great how all these things help uh, your drivers, but how does it benefit the customer?
3: Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really about having that highly engaged workforce and, you know, a, a, a focus on customer service creating those enduring partnerships. We have a a big mantra in our marketing campaign right now around our team is yours. And what that means to us is is it's our privilege and our responsibility to provide high high levels, great exceptional customer service and to be a trusted and really transparent extension of our customer. Because in many cases, right, if if we're hauling products from their facility to their end user, our, our drivers are the ones that represent their company. Um, So we're making sure that we have that high level of trust and transparency. We want our customers to be engaged with our drivers. We invite them to our our quarterly meetings, those tailgate talks, take them on yard walks and and really see the process of how all of these things come to life, whether it's our safety programs, it's our people culture, you know, whatever that is. Uh, And and at the end of the day, having that strong focus on safety is going to lead to lower costs and expenses. Our insurance costs are going to be lower. We're going to drive those in the right direction. Safety being front of mind reduces downtime on equipment, um, you know, particularly in, in our model, again, where we're dedicated every day that a driver is not available to work or every day that a truck is down because of repair needs. Those are loads that aren't being moved. Um, so we, we have that high focus on safety to provide consistency in the workforce and the resources that ultimately lead to great performance from a service level perspective, it, and the last thing I would say really is it's about brand reputation, right? Our, our trucks are not sitting on the side of the interstate or headlining the news after a big crash that happens. Um, you know, a, a lot of our equipment is co-branded with our customers. So it's a great opportunity to have a really positive impact with that 53-foot rolling billboard going down the road when other people on the roadway around us are having those positive interactions with our drivers.
1: And that, that's a highly skilled, highly professional individual out there on the road. Thank, hey Blake, thank you so much for your time today lightning question just one word 49ers chiefs
3: uh, heart says 49ers head says chiefs you just I, I feel like you can't go against patrick mahomes but, but man I, I so i'm a i'm a tom brady guy uh so i, I the the encroachment upon that legacy right now is is really kind of in danger if Mahomes keeps winning these things (laughs) never
1: he's got to get into of the things come on and then go to another team and win one too it's never gonna happen sit down Mahomes sit down (laughs) hey thank you so much for coming on ruin transport check him out ruin logistics check him out they got awesome trucks they got awesome safety culture and they got a guy named Blake working for him thank you so much for coming on the show today sir
3: you bet thanks for having
1: me appreciate it take it easy All right, got to tip the band one more time here. Dynamic Logistics gives you total control of your entire shipping operations, live location and status updates every 15 minutes, and the ability to combine multiple orders into a single load, leading to significant savings. Check them out at dynamiclogistics.com. That's logistics with an X. Elsewhere. Wild Content says, imagine running to save your life, and this is the fastest you can run. Hogan says, I always found people falling (laughs) down dramatically while trying to escape is cinematic and not possible in real life until I saw this. CB says, even the elephant thought that run attempt was pathetic. Deep State says, just got to be faster than the guy in blue. And Snappy Trade says, the last kick from the elephant really put it over the top. It was. That elephant was so disappointed. He thought he had a chase going on. He walks over and he just kind of like steps on the guy's ankle and walks away. Gotta love elephants. Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room. It's Lori Ann Larocco, founder and president, at embracing your past to power to empower your future. First of all,
4: congratulations for getting your new book out there on the market, Lori. Thank you so much. My daughter and I are absolutely thrilled. You are you're
1: thrilled. This isn't your first rodeo either. You are you're an author. You had your your very well-performing book, Containers Don't Lie, that came out a couple years ago. Now you have this one, and it, you know, it got me curious. It's such a different subject than what you cover on CNBC and what you cover on Freightways and even what you've previously authored. Tell first of all, tell people about the what the book is and why you took this topic on.
4: Sure thing. And um so the book is called Embracing Your Past to Empower Your Future. And my daughter and I, uh, back in 2021, we are history geeks. And we had the opportunity to go get tours over at the homes of presidents, Washington, Jefferson, and Madison. And the docents uh, you know, showed us around and then they brought us to um, the outside of the homes. And they showed us the fingerprints of the enslaved who made the bricks. Now, young children and women made the bricks. And it struck us the intention, if you will, uh, Tim, of putting the fingers in the bricks, the fingerprints in the bricks. This was the only way that they could let the world know that they were there. And then once the bricks were made, the men who built the president's homes, they intentionally look at that. They intentionally put the bricks forward and, and upright. And that little imprint right there is from a child and and that my daughter there she, at that time she was 15 years old so you can kind of see um just like a replication if you will right in terms of the size of the fingerprints in her hand and so we went on this journey saying we have to interview families whose loved ones um helped build america and uh you know it took it took almost 3 years uh for this book to come out and we worked with four families who are descended from slaves. And we were able to thread that needle where we are all a product of our past. And these four families, we were successful in kind of weaving back all the way back to their enslaved loved ones, how they are where they are today because of the values of their enslaved loved ones, the, uh, the importance of their enslaved loved ones pressing upon education, uh, as well as faith and family. And uh, that is what the book is about. And the four families, you know, we can dive into, um, you know, as we move forward. But that was how this book uh, came about.
1: Let's start at your family first. I have kids. You have a teenage daughter. How did you keep her engaged in a project for three years?
4: You know, it was just my daughter's very empathetic. Um, I've got two boys that are older. And of course, they, you know, they they would not have retained uh, the passion for this as as we have. Uh, But but Abby really is about the human the human story and the human spirit. Uh, She's an actress. She also likes to write. And when we started started speaking with everybody, she loves history. She's an advanced placement uh, history student and, and English students. So this was right up her, our alley. And so, and you, and you can relate to this where, you know, when we interview adults, right, we get very straightforward answers. But when you have a child talking about Jim Crow, talking about segregation, talking about the racial slurs, the cross burnings on their lawns that these people uh, endured, the answers that they gave her are answers that I never would have been able to get because it it came from a source of innocence. And, uh, we intentionally, every, every part of the book is the book is broken down into four parts for each family. Uh, and Abby asked uh, this question to every single uh, family historian and it was, what is your advice for someone like me? And you just saw like the melting away and, and the emotion that came in of carrying somebody with you, take somebody along the way, empower people. Don't, don't forget your history. Find your history, know your story, make tomorrow better. And th- those are really themes that transcend um, race. And, and when we look at our products or our past, it doesn't matter who we are, we all came from somewhere. And it's so important to know where we came from, so we can move forward, right, to make this world a better place.
1: Very. And you, so you, you met these four families. You got this sort of innocent interviews out of your daughter and everything. What, what did you learn from these, these families? What are we going to find out when we open this book?
4: Sure. Well, the first family that we dive into is uh, Polly and Rose Allen, and they are survivors of the Clotilda. That is the slave ship that was found uh, several years ago um, in, you know, in the river down near Mobile. And Africatown um, was the town that they co-founded. So in 1860, Tim Mayer uh, made a bet with a, with a group of friends that his vessel was going to be faster than the U.S. Navy. And he would be able to bring in ship, uh, bring in uh, enslaved, uh, you know, men, women and children. Now, it was illegal at that time to bring in Africans, and uh, it was punished by death. Of course, he never, you know, faced any uh, scrutiny. The captain of the vessel actually had to pay a customs uh, charge for not uh, declaring customs. Oh, wow. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And, it, you know, with, with Africatown, what I love about it, and I actually took my vacation there over the summer so I could go there and experience it. The town was built based on how their Tukhar village was uh, built, and their roads are not like a grid, like the like the the cities that we live in. The roads are curved; they they nestle into the environment. Uh, homes are uh, homes are faced a certain direction, and it was a sharing community. And you would have three homes on. Say, like an acre of land or three acres of land. And they would, you know, it was a very much a sharing community where they shared their bounty, they shared their crops, and they all impressed upon family faith and religion. And so a lot of people will learn about more about the Middle Passage, which, as you know, is uh, the trade route that uh, the enslaved uh, men, women, and children were brought on. And because these men, women, and children were brought in in 1860, around the ages of like 18 or so, they were able to be interviewed. And I actually found an interview of Paul Lee. And Vernetta Henson, who's a family historian, was not even aware of it, Tim. And I, I was able to share her the words of her great-grandfather. And so there are so many gifts here where... I'm an investigative journalist. I found so many wonderful documents where her great-grandfather, Paul Lee, used his own money. And because of him, he is on the, uh, the trustee. Uh, he's a trustee of the church, and his name is on the deed of the land of the church that exists to this day. Wow. And so you'll learn from there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. You also hear about the Madison family. They are descendants of James Madison. And then we also have the Quander family, which dates back to the 1600s. Nellie uh, the she is the founder of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. She's the reason why it's incorporated. Um, You have lots of civil rights activists in that family. And then you have the Brooks family. They're the only uh, black American family in U.S. history with three generals in the immediate family. And that gentleman you see there, Tim, that is Polly Allen. He he's I mean how many there there are very few far between enslaved photos or or paintings and so he sat for that and I actually saw a photo of him I pointed it out to a pastor he has a possession of this uh, photo and he was Polie and the Africa town residents they were so proud of their um, of the way that they looked the way that they walked. And there are so many nuances in there where it's just invaluable, where you really learn about the complete history, where you learn about like the daughters of the Confederacy. They're the ones that wrote the history books down south. And so Vernetta, yeah, Vernetta never learned about, you know, you know, certain things like the Clotilda, because the daughters of the Confederacy did not put it in those books.
1: You know, we got we got logistics in here, we've got history, we've got hardship. It's Black History Month. Sounds like a great book. You sold me. Where can people go to get a copy of this?
4: Sure. So the book is sold. I'm, I'm thrilled that it's sold everywhere. So you can, you can go to your bookstore. If they don't have it, you could ask them to bring it in. You could find it on Amazon. You could find it on Barnes & Noble. Um, and also to make sure that this is totally inclusive, we do have an audiobook. book. Um, and the book is also being translated into Braille. And so we really want to make sure that these stories are accessible uh, for everybody.
1: Who narrated the, uh, the, did you narrate the book yourself?
4: Actually, my husband narrated it. Um, My husband is uh, the afternoon drive anchor for WCBS 880. And uh, because this is a nonprofit book, all proceeds, uh, sales, if you will, are going to the each one teach one book stipend. So if you are a descendant of the enslaved, you can apply, go on my nonprofit website, which is embracingyourpast.net. You can find some details and you can apply for monies to apply towards college books. And so each one teach one, Tim, is an African proverb that dates back to the Civil, Civil War, where if you learned how to read, write, or learn ar- arithmetic as a slave, it was your obligation to teach because they knew that knowledge is power.
1: Very, very interesting, very fascinating. Hey, congratulations to you and your daughter. The book is out now. Go to Amazon or wherever you get your books and get this and check out her site. Thank you so much for stopping by today. And uh, again, congratulations.
4: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Take care. Oh, wait, hold on. I got to. Oh, wait. Are you still here? Hold on. Who do you got, 49ers or Chiefs? I forgot to ask 49ers or Chiefs?
4: I'm going with the Chiefs, man. You can't, you can't, you just can't. Yeah.
1: We got three chief picks so far. All right, it's it's the uh, the odds are stacked against the 49ers, Laurian. Thank you so much. Take it easy. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the book. Take care. All right. All right. No, what I, no, we talked about safety earlier. I know a few mobile repair truck guys got about a one-minute clip here. Take a look at this. Take a look at what some of these mobile truck repair guys have to do. He's trying to get this onto his truck. And you see the way this truck is built that he has, his tow truck. It only has the controls on the side on the uh, passenger side of the car instead of the driver's side. So this guy who's got a car over on the left lane, he's going to stand right in the fast lane. as cars are whipping by. Crazy clips said t- tow truck. Drivers show how dangerous it is to tow on the highway. The Blue Jake says, well, I agree. It sucks that people can't be bothered to move over. I have to ask why we have not changed the way these trucks work. How hard is it to design a remote control in these modern times? Um, we, Dr. Bo says he's working the wrong side of the controls. I had a customer do this thing on a kit bond bridge in uh, KCMO. His clothes got snagged by the step of a passing box van. He was pulled underneath and run over, dead at age 19. Gen X Buck says, I still don't understand why they can't tether the controls so he can go to the other side of the truck, depending on which side of the road he's on. Seems like a simple fix. Well, dad of two roadside, who does this for a living, said they did change the trucks, but for the worse, to save money, they put the controls on only only one side on some of these trucks. So they've made it much more unsafe. Talk about safety all the time, they made it worse. Mobile truck repair says, "Be careful, these people don't respect anything anymore, never mind a human on the road. Be safe." And Socal trucker says, "God bless any and all that find themselves there, especially the ones that do it for a living." Amen. I know we got move over laws, but look, it's the fast lane. Ain't nobody moving over as you just saw in that video. But right now, We're going to talk about someone who's trying to solve a really big problem. It's Mike Fulham. He's the co-founder over at Quickscope. And congratulations. I hear this is the first Quickscope interview.
2: It is. This will be the first one. So thank you for giving us the opportunity. We appreciate it.
1: Well, for those of us who don't know, and and since you're new and they wouldn't know, you haven't been on before. What's the elevator on Quickscope?
2: Yes. So. Uh, originally a few years ago. Um, well, I'll start from the beginning. Sure. Um, I've been in the business for quite a while, mostly in the brokerage and asset-based space, spent some time at CH Robinson. Then I joined a few other companies and then started uh, a consultancy a few years ago. And our clients were everyone involved in the transportation chain. So you have the shippers, you have the brokers, and you also have the carriers. Um, and obviously, Double brokerage and fraud was always an issue, but I think over the past five years, it's become you know, really an epidemic. And some of our clients, specifically the, the brokers and the carriers were really struggling with this issue. It just kept happening. Uh, the bad actors were getting more creative. And uh, there was some things that we could deploy on the vetting side and onboarding side that helped them, but it still didn't solve the problem at the load level. So we created a tool that operates at the load level. It's not an application, uh, it's very simple. It's designed to be easily easily utilized by the carrier, easily utilized by the shipper. And essentially it confirms and verifies that the broker is who they are, who they say they are, and that the carrier is who they say they are before the pickup information is released. Um, and if that verification goes through The pickup number will be released directly to the driver and only to the driver. Uh, And if it's not verified, the broker will get a notification and then they'll have to manually address the issue.
1: You know, it's it, a recent report from Truck Stop shows freight fraud of all types has jumped 130% in 2023, um, from 945 reports in 2022 to 2,178 in 2023. I've had uh, travelers and a few different insur- HGVI HDVI insurance, on here recently. They've been talking about this growing problem, and a lot are predicting 2024 will be even worse especially in cargo theft and freight fraud, you know, economy gets bad. People want to get money. How does it work? How do you solve it? And I, and I have a question too, because there's a few of these types of, uh, of services and some of them get um, a lot of heat, a lot of blowback, because I know personally, a few smaller carriers I know have gotten dinged by some of these other services and they've been put out of service by them for really no good reason. How do you put controls in here? How do you make sure you're getting rid of bad actors, but not good actors?
2: Yeah, good question. I mean, it starts with the verification of the broker. So the tool is going to be utilized by a broker. So if a bad actor was to impersonate a broker, they wouldn't have access to Quickscope and they wouldn't gather the pickup information to then get it to a carrier. Uh, but on the carrier side, you know, I think they take a lot of the blame and I don't know that that's fair. I mean, a lot of these bad actors are, are not even in the industry. They're just sitting behind a computer uh, impersonating people. So the fact that some of these tools are, for lack of a better word, blocking very good carriers from getting into brokers. We have conversations all the time. With good carriers saying we can't get onboarded by this broker or we can't get um, access to this freight. And the reality is um, when the market tightens back up again, all these brokers are going to have to expand their capacity. We're going to need to do so. And what this tool does is it ensures that the carrier who was hired, their MC, their location, um, all of that, their phone is cross-referenced in real time before that pickup number is released. So your load could go through Quickscope and get to a double broker, but they won't get through the verification because the phone that's hired has to be in a specific geofence within two miles of the shipper. Then they have to go through a secure portal where they're gonna upload a video or a photograph of the side of their truck with the MC and DOT number. Um, And they're gonna cross reference in real time. All of those things have to line up for the verification to happen. Um, So it's really, really difficult for a carrier to bypass uh, Quickscope. Cool. Well, let's hear how what it, oh, let's hear what it does. The
1: TIA recently released a white paper on safeguarding shipments against fraud. Quickscope Service uh, supports some of these, I think. I think I saw this post on your site. It says they, their strategies were conduct rigorous due diligence, foster long-term relationships, verify carrier and driver information at pickup, restrict exposure to load boards, inform carriers on how to detect fraud, insist on real-time tracking updates, enforce appointment scheduling. How do you guys help with those things?
2: Yeah, so I mean, a lot of that is is true, and it should be standard practice for anyone involved yeah. in the transportation chain. The problem is that they're, they're very good at what they do. The bad actors are very good at it. Um, so sometimes those, those efforts don't do the whole trick. And a lot of times multiple people within the transportation are involved. When you talk about cargo theft, a huge portion of it is fictitious pickups. Somehow this bad actor gets... Uh, access to a pickup, they load the truck, and then they take it to be, you know, stolen or broken down and sold. Uh, on the rebrokering side, I mean, ha- how we address that is pretty simple. I mean, the, the broker's verified, the carrier's verified. They can't get the pickup information if, if it doesn't happen in real time. But it's applied specifically at the load level. And I think that's the, the biggest differentiator is a lot of these things that you just addressed are either processes or data-driven, Uh, based on historicals where the bad actor has to go in, or I'm sorry, the broker has to go in and trust that this information is accurate. And a lot of that information is is being compromised. So this is like a little lock that you could put on the load for a very low price, Uh, similar to how a macro point or trucker tools would work, though we're not a tracking tool, um, where it can be applied at the load level. So when you do all your due diligence, And you still want to make sure that the first couple times you use this carrier or new driver that they um, are who they say they are your first couple rounds with the new broker, this tool is going to make sure that none of that happens.
1: You know, why do you think it is that sort of culturally so many shippers and brokers don't, and I'm talking about even the good actors, they don't care about accurate data. How many truck drivers have you talked to, or or how many shipments have you sent out where you hear back from the driver, hey, this load said it was 8,000 pounds, I got here, and it's 40,000 pounds, or it said any liftgate or something, and and it's not there, like, even accurate information on on completely legitimate shipments is too much to ask for sometimes in this particular business. Why is that? Because we know there's this huge fraud problem, and if we can't do the
2: right part right, how how do we Fix the wrong part i don't know you know that's a really good question i mean i think for a while there maybe over the past 10 years everybody got a little data obsessed and maybe uh laid off the gas a little bit about the importance of people in trade trust in trade um i think this industry also has a habit of being very price centric so they might leave good service take a risk on poor service just to save a few pennies Um, And I think the pandemic probably accelerated a lot of those things because everybody was scrambling. But I think now, as we start to come back to equilibrium, uh, people are, especially in this industry, are recognizing the importance of true relationships, using the data as a part of the solution, but not the whole solution. Um, And and some of the things that we've wrapped into Quickscope really simplify that. Um, When the, the driver is released the pickup number, they get it to their phone in a very very descriptive text and so if there's more than one pickup number all the pickup numbers are listed if it says call larry at door number five it says call larry at door number five you know at the front end and the back end of the shipment there's the opportunity to immediately upload uh pod's and BOLs. Um, and then throughout transit there's verified updates that we can perform to make sure that that truck is still with that driver uh, in the location that they're supposed to be in So we're trying to make it a little easier so that in this trade, you know, things aren't lost, you know, weights or pickup numbers, et cetera. But I think a lot of it has to do with just over the past 10 years, I mean, people became data obsessed and maybe laid off some of the things that are important to to making the business successful.
1: You know, a lot of fraudsters are, are straight up lazy. You know, they're just setting out a very wide net and they're hoping to just catch one sucker. I get I get t- texts from a fake version of my CEO all the time, asking me to go get Apple gift cards for the staff. Yeah. I like to I like to mess. them. So I send them an Applebee's gift card. And I'm like, hey, this this is what they got. I got you five hundred. And the guy always freaks out. It's it's hilarious. I like to I like to mess with them. What are you learning about on the freight fraud side about the methods that these attackers are using?
2: Well, I mean, it's. That's a good question. It's something we think about all the time because it's it's not a target that you can just nail. It's a target that's constantly evolving. They're getting better and better at it, much more creative. Uh, I don't know if you heard of the scheme where uh, your driver might call you as the broker and say, this load has been double brokered. Uh, and whoever brokered it to me paid me $2,000 more than what you paid me. And I need you to send me a rate confirmation for that rate or I'm not going to deliver the load. Well, both parties are involved in that, that fraud scheme, um, not just one. So keeping up with that is a challenge. And I think there's some other things that they're doing, like getting into the data sources and actually adjusting what the information says, whether it's type of equipment, how long they've been around, um, number of assets they have, particular types of assets they might have. So it, it, it's really hard to say that you can just keep up with this issue without some sort of a lock at the load level. But what it really brings to our attention is the need for a constant investment in cybersecurity. Right now, our platform's secure. In six months, the bad actors might, e- might evolve, and we got to stay ahead of them to make sure that, that things stay secure. So it's a, it's a good question, but I think the target's going to be forever moving until we've made a large enough dent that the bad actors are no longer interested.
1: How do we catch the ones that are like one of the big hacks I've been hearing about lately is um, changing MC numbers, right? Change the information on an an MC number to start the double brokering process. Is is that hard to catch?
2: So I I think the biggest problem is, is at the front end, the upstream issue is that it's very easy to create an MC. And the government doesn't have a good grip on it right now. I mean, I was with the TIA just a few months ago. Uh, in Washington D.C., literally lobbying Congress on the issue, and until that point stops, you know, it's going to be up to us as the the key parties in the industry to solve the problem. Um, and I think you know, I think that's what we're trying to do. But if if an MC is new or an MC had some issues, and, and they, for example, just a few weeks ago. One of the vetting platforms said that this carrier couldn't be onboarded because of XYZ and their MC. And they asked us if they should create a new MC. We said, absolutely not, because if you create a new MC right now, you're not going to get in the door with new brokers. So right now, what's happening is the brokers are putting a clamp on it in a relatively loose market because they're not pressed for capacity. So they're not letting new carriers in. to kind of counteract how easy it is to make a new MC. Hey, if it's a new MC, we're not gonna work with you. If it's from this state or this city, we're not gonna work with you. Um, and I understand why they're doing it, um, but we don't really want that. It's not good for the carrier. It's not good for you know supply being able to support surge volumes or different markets. Uh, and frankly, it's not really creating anything that's centered around the truth. It's kind of just, let's dodge all these bullets and hope we're okay.
1: It's only a matter of time before some hacker jumps into chat GPT, get some generative AI going and really starts attacking this space using generative emails, generative, maybe MCs, generative different type of frauds, generative, generative postings. How concerned should we be?
2: I think, I think from my perspective, most of the brokers that I'm talking to are more than aware of this problem. I mean, Like I said, I've been in this industry for a while. My partner and I actually implemented MacroPoint when it first came to market uh, and some of the other tools when they first came to market. And that was a bit of a challenge because you had to get the drivers to to get over the hump of someone monitoring them, Mm -hmm. even though it, it really wasn't about that. We've gotten through that now. And I think most of the drivers are more than willing, at least from the feedback we've received to take part in tools like Quickscope to stop the issue. And I think brokers are way more accustomed to leveraging tools like this or processes to mitigate the problem. By the um, way,
1: I, I love the Flyers poster behind you. Sorry, my ADD kicked in. Nice. I'm a huge uh, Ron Hextop fan, aside from Martin Lodier, nice. second favorite goalie of all
2: time. Hextop is he great. He was great. I mean, he kind of beat the Flyers up as a GM, but he was a great (laughs) Great fighter, too. He would take some people's knees out, man. You
1: didn't want to mess with X-Dollar coming into his zone. He uh, he scored a goal or a time or two, and he would chase you down the ice into the zone if you messed with him. He's one of the best. Now, we're running running a little short on time, so I want to send people over to Quickscope so they can learn more. I want to send some people to you. How do they find you?
2: Quickscope.com. No C's, all K's. Um, or LinkedIn. I think that would be the two best ways to reach us. You can also email us at info at quickscope.com. We're in the midst of of onboarding quite a few accounts right now. There's been a ton of interest. It's super easy. No EDI API needs. Doesn't take long at all. Um, We'll get a demo on the calendar and we can talk through how it works. Who's winning on Sunday? Jeez, I'm an Andy Reid guy. We're for four. I'm going to break the trend. I'm
1: going 49ers. All right, man. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. That's quick scope. Thank you to all of our guests, Lorianne at Ruin on here, my buddy Blake and Thomas Watson for answering the question. Did the groundhog see a shadow? You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. You can find this show at FW What the Truck. You want to listen to me? Look up What the Truck on your favorite podcast. Where you want to watch me and our guests go to FreightWaves YouTube channel, entire playlist of What the Truck episodes.
4: Hey, take care. Don't be a stranger and we'll see you Friday.